Hello and welcome to Sunny Side Up. My name is Mithul Shah, CEO of Demand Matrix. Sunny Side Up is 15 minutes of concentrated analysis and advice from startup founders, B2B marketers, sales and product leaders. Hello and welcome to Sunny Side Up. My name is Mithul Shah. I'm the founder and CEO of Demand Matrix. And today I have a very special guest, somebody who not only is an amazing and accomplished entrepreneur and the CEO, but is also a founder of a category you know as CRM as we all kind of know it customer relationship management so it's my honor and a pleasure to welcome John Ferrara John welcome Mitchell thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to join you in a conversation i think that all we have in this planet are the moments that we're truly present with another human being and through that exchange ideally we blow wind in each other's sails I think that's all we leave this planet with is the ripples of the connections that we've made and ideally those connections are adding value to one another and I think that's what your podcast is about giving away value and so any opportunity I have to get up on a soapbox and share inspiration education to power other entrepreneurs is a great day for me so thank you for making my day so great I think pleasure is all mine and so let's let's get started with the early days and the and the basics tell me about yourself of yours would love to you know learn and understand that and how did you go about building gold mine and building this whole category as we very well know about you know CRM or customer relationship management well i think it started with a passion and the passion was technology and space and it was inspired by my youth because our president decided to spend trillions of dollars to send man to the moon and as a young boy growing up watching the mercury gemini and apollo programs do what they did i wanted to be like that and i saw that the emergence of microcomputers was a way for me to tap into that technical side and so when i graduated high school in 1978 i bought an apple IIe which cost me $3600 which was a lot of money back then it still is a decent amount of money But you know the funny thing is is a decent computer costs you $3600 these days. I mean it's it hasn't changed, but the power has changed. And through that journey of learning about microcomputers and working my way th- through a computer science degree, I worked at a local computer land store where I learned every single software program on the market. So I got very educated in software and computers and how businesses use them and how how resellers sell them. and when i graduated with my degree i didn't want to be my dad my dad was the number one lincoln mercury guy and first subaru dealer in california i didn't want to be a car salesman i didn't want to be in sales even though i worked my way to college in sales so i got a job as a systems engineer for hughes space and com and spent two years in aerospace long enough for me to figure out that i'm not an aerospace guy and i got a job at a startup called banyan and it was there that i transitioned from systems engineer to sales and as a sales person in a field office for a enterprise software company they basically gave me quote leads which were pieces of paper with phone numbers of it people in large corporations they said go get them so i'd cold call them make notes on the paper put appointments in my day timer did put my forecast once a month in a spreadsheet and i basically communicated with my team in my field office in corporate through pink while you're out slips and an email and i just was frustrated at my inability to do that efficiently to engage as a team at scale 
And I looked around for a tool that would enable me to integrate my email contact and calendar, do some simple sales and market automation. And I found a series of standalone tools that did this thing or that thing, but nothing that really unified it together. And what I was really looking for is to build Outlook and Salesforce combined before either existed. So I quit my job at 29 and basically built something called Goldline, which was a DOS program that basically was email, contact, and calendar and sales and market automation for a team, not for salespeople, but for everybody in the company. And we started to sell it. But Matil, the interesting thing is, is that if you want to sell a product, how do you bring it to market if you don't have money to advertise or the even knowledge to advertise? So what I did is identify the influencer of my prospect. In those days, it was the person that sold them the network. And those were the Novell resellers. So if you think about it, the if you had PCs, you want to use them in an office. You had to buy Novell back in those days. There was no NT server. And I got those Novell resellers to use Goldmine. And then they started recommending and reselling it because people sell what they know and they know what they use. And that's how we were able to start Goldmine on $5,000 without a diamond venture and grow it to its first $100,000 in revenue a month. This is so interesting. I mean, you pioneered this category. How do you sell something when people even don't know if they even need it, right? I mean, how do you educate the whole market as a startup? Well, I can tell you exactly how we did it. We started by identifying their trusted advisor. That was the technology reseller that sold them the network. And I believe people sell what they know and they know what they use. So we got them to start using it. They saw the value. If you see the value and you understand the value, it's easy for you to recommend the value. And the thing is, is that they weren't making any additional revenue off that customer. All they sold them was the network. So I gave them the opportunity to basically deliver a solution on top of the network. So basically it was really straightforward for them to recommend it. And since they were already a trusted advisor, those people then bought it. But here's the rub. What happened is after they sold it to all their base of existing customers, they said to me, John, we need leads. How do I generate leads without knowledge of advertising? So what I did is I contacted the influencer of my prospect of where they learned about technology and business. So PC Magazine, Inc. Magazine, Fortune, blah, blah, blah. I contacted the writers and said, how can I help you write more stories? They said, tell us stories about how people are using technology to grow. So I started telling stories about how people are using technology to grow. And I basically helped define CRM, contact management, and market automation before any of those terms existed. And in fact, one of the editors who I taught about CRM is now head of strategy at Salesforce. His name is John Tashik. John Tashik was the editor of PC Computing back in the day. So the way that you build a brand is you need to tell stories and get other people to tell those stories because it's more powerful when other people talk about you than when you talk about you. And I think that's actually one of the biggest problems today with SaaS CEOs and entrepreneurs is they think that they could build a company by generating eyeballs through AdWords, driving them into account-based marketers and sellers who then convert those and generate revenue. And I'm sure you know all about this because you build tools for those people. But the reality is I think you can scale a SaaS company with AdWords and account-based marketing and sales to maybe a million, 5 million, 10 million. If you're lucky, 30 million. But if you want to grow to 100 million, 200 million like Goldmine did, you need to get people selling for you 24 hours a day around the globe. And that's how we scaled Goldmine is we started with Novell resellers and then Microsoft ate Novell. 
So Microsoft doesn't innovate, they iterate. They wait for somebody else to build the market and they come on and it's big enough and they use their muscle. And their muscle is billions of users and hundreds of thousands of ours. They hired my former boss at Banyan, Jim Alchin, and he basically built NT Server, SQL Server, and Exchange Server. And they needed to sell it. The reality is that a customer is not going to buy SQL Server unless there's an application that calls for it. So Microsoft's first-party solutions need third-party solutions to drive them and make them sticky. So they came to us and they said, John, can you help us sell Small Business Server? And at the same time, my customers were coming to me and saying, John, we love Goldmine, but the backend database, DBase doesn't scale for millions of records and hundreds of users. And the email transport, uh, IMAP and POP, isn't secure for the enterprise. And we'd like a more robust operating system than Novell. Then my partners came to me and they said, well, we want to make more than just revenue off Goldmine. We want to make revenue on other products and services. So we built Goldmine Enterprise, which required a seat of NT Server, SQL Server, and Exchange Server for every seat of Goldmine. And we solved our customers' need to scale. Our partners need to make $10 in every Goldmine dollar. And Microsoft's need to sell their crown jewels. And that's the reason why Baum would come and do the monkey dance at our conference every year, where I believe he got the idea that they should actually have an accounting and a CRM application inside of the Microsoft suite. And they weren't intelligent enough to buy Goldmine. They tried to buy Onyx, but they ended up building Dynamics themselves. So about a year before they did that, I'd been running Goldmine for 10 years and we were at about $100 million in revenue. And Matil, you know what it's like to be an entrepreneur for 10 years. It's, <laughs> it's a lot, right? If you have a choice, your, your second baby is just being born and you have a choice to take your chips off the table and to live your life of dreams. I made that choice. So I sold Goldmine when I was 40 and I retired, raised three babies. And I'll tell you what, I learned more about life and relationships and my purpose on this planet in that period of time than I did in the previous 40 years. Oh, that's fabulous. There is a lot to learn from this last few words you, know, you kind of mentioned. But coming to the CRM category and moving from kind of PC-based, client-server-based model to now a SaaS model, um, the industry has kind of evolved. Things have kind of changed very rapidly. And now the era you're talking about where sales and marketing teams didn't have any tools and you kind of pioneered built some of these, you know, insights and platforms for that. So now they have too many choices, right? I think Martin yeah. kind of talks about like there are 8,000 tools now in this industry, the tools and technologies. So now looking back at that, you know, can you talk about some of the factors or key factors the the team and the sales and marketing professionals, you know, should keep in mind when they're defining their MarTech and sales tech? You bet. I'm not sure if you know, Mitu, but I actually trademarked automated processes 30 years ago, which was actions based on triggers. So if this and that for people and companies. So if you put a name in a record in Goldmine, if the record looked like this, Goldmine would do that. So day one, it might send a fax. Day seven, it might schedule a call. Day 14, it might schedule a, send an email. And if a forecast happens or a sale happens, it might stop that track and start a new track. And did you know that there's an itch cycle on a purchase that for a house, it's, for a car, it's three years. For a house, it's five years, which means that you're ready to buy something new in that period of time. So we'd put people on itch cycles. So back in the day, Goldmine was more than a CRM. The heart of Goldmine was a really amazing team relationship manager, a team contact manager. And it had built into it 
the market automation that you would need that was tightly integrated that could trigger off of contacts and actions and stuff. And I think that while we gained by having separate pieces, we also lost a lot. So what happened was Outlook came out and it became the team contact manager and then Siebel and ultimately Salesforce came out and it became the CRM. But ultimately, Salesforce wasn't enough because it was just a dead database that you had to go type shit in. And the reason they call it Salesforce, you have to force salespeople to use it. Nobody in their right mind would use a CRM if they weren't beat on to do it. I know because I know most of the CRM analysts and influencers and none of them use a CRM. But the reality is that you can't just use a CRM by itself. So the marketing technology stack, if you will, has to include at its basics some type of mark automation system that helps you to do lead qualification. And you can think of that as the bomber flying over the battlefield that drops bombs to soften up the battlefield. But the, to win a war, you got to put boots on the ground. And that's salespeople. And salespeople need intelligence, the map, and they need a rifle, templated email with tracking tools. So if you think about the minimal sales marketing technology stack, It's a market automation system, could be Marketo, HubSpot, Pardot, whatever. It includes a CRM, could be Salesforce or Dynamics or Nimble or Pipedrive, whatever. Then you need sales intelligence. And depending on what level you're at, it could be DiscoverOrg or it could be InsideView or possibly Nimble. We happen to be a category leader in sales intelligence. And then you need sales enablement, email tracking and templating. Okay, so sales loft, outreach IO, you name them, or nimble, which we happen to be a category leader in there as well. And so each of those things I just talked about is a hundred to two hundred dollars per user per month. So Salesforce, you know, fully burdened 135. Outreach IO, God only knows these days, what is it, $150? Discover.org, I don't even know what the budget is for that, but inside sales, let's say it's 100, or LinkedIn Sales Navigator is 100. And each of these tools don't even talk to each other. So if you actually want to build intelligence and triggers off of these things, you can't. So you can't segment based off who people are and what the business is about or your actions, et cetera. So they're all really separate tools. And the reality is that most salespeople don't even use them. So you have to hire a sales administrator to actually run all this crap. And maybe I'm being a bit facetious. I'm sure there are sales reps that actually do know how to use a modern technology stack. But you have to admit that it's complex, it's expensive, and I think it's burdensome. What do you think? I agree with you, right? That's what when we talk to our customers, that, that's a common thing that comes around is that, that I got to use anywhere from five to 13 or whatever different tools to do that. I was interviewing somebody, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about Cisco is currently using like 57 different sales and marketing technologies. Yeah. It's getting to a point where it's just becoming very prohibitive while integrating and trying to buy one tool for this and another tool for that. And that's ultimately, you know, that has been vision for Demand Matrix is for us to be in general the data as a service platform or at least be that that powerhouse where we can enable a lot of these, the basic raw material and insight that could be discovered and, and build intelligence on top of. Exactly. But the thing is, is that there's 225 million global businesses less than 1% use any CRM. So what does that tell us? That tells us that CRM systems don't really serve the masses. 
And that's who I'm going after. I'm going after the masses. And so if you think about any of the tools you just talked about, or even the companies you're talking about, you're talking about pricing that is priced out of the reach of the 99%. I mean, even on your website, you don't have pricing. You have to basically fill out a form to get the pricing. So I think that the masses are crying out for simple yet smart tools that will help them to attract and retain customers. And I think that it really starts with contacts because people buy from people that like, know, and trust. And at the heart of all businesses, what's missing is a good contact manager. Because if you think about your choices of your Novell or NT server today, it's G Suite or Office. Which one do you use? G Suite. Okay. So G Suite is like Novell of its era. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, it has evolved you know, a lot over time, but yeah, definitely. I mean, the whole SaaS model, it could be painful at times. Well, here's the deal. If you want to tie together PCs in 1990 to 1999, it was Novell. That's what you use to tie PCs together. If you want to tie PCs together from 1999 to 2010, it was NT Server with Exchange Server and Outlook. From 2010 to 2020, it was G Suite, roughly speaking. Today, it's Office 365. So there's an interesting parallel there that Novell and G Suite share the same history as NT Server, SQL Server, NT Server, and Exchange Server and Outlook does to Office 365. So Microsoft didn't innovate network operating systems. Novell did. But Microsoft ate them with NT Server and Exchange Server. G Suite invented cloud productivity, email, contact, and calendar, and Office 365 has now eaten them. So there's 175 million Office 365 customers, which is a fraction of the billions of customers that are still on-prem that will move to the cloud. And so the interesting parallel there is we started nimble by being a layer on top of G Suite that unified email, contact, and calendar into a team relationship manager with simple sales and marketing. But what's unique about Nimble is our ability to integrate social and enrich records and to do triggered outreach based off that enriched record. And you know what I mean, because you guys are doing something not dissimilar for the enterprise. But what's interesting is Microsoft came out with Office 365 in 2012, 13. And because I knew history, I could predict the future. And I saw the writing on the wall that Microsoft would eat G Suite. So we started to do integrations with the products, Office 365 and, and others, build relationships with the people that got us access to the program. Six months ago, Microsoft signed a global reseller agreement with Nimble where they're globally reselling Nimble through their distributors. In fact, we don't even have to sign a contract with Ingram or Tech Data or other distributors. Microsoft holds the contract. They basically, when the distributors buy Office, they buy Nimble alongside of it through Microsoft And they're walking us into distributors and they're paying the distributors to push us to their resellers. And we now have over a thousand Microsoft resellers scaled globally in the past six months. Now you may say to yourself, why would Microsoft push Nimble as a CRM when they have a CRM? Go ahead and ask me. I was just about to ask them why that is the Dynamics 365, right? Well, here's the deal. Microsoft gives Dynamics to their resellers. Less than 1% use them. Microsoft resellers use Dynamics. What does that say? Dynamics isn't a really good fit for their resellers. And if it's not good a fit for their resellers, 
How is it a good fit for the bulk of their customers? And you know, as a Microsoft team member for what, 10 years? Yeah, close to 10 years. You know, the bulk of Microsoft customers are SMB, as are their resellers. Now, of course, they make big hay out of the enterprise customers that they go and do business with SAP and together with all the consulting companies, blah, blah, blah. But you know, the bread and butter of Microsoft is SMB. I mean, that's the heart of it. So Microsoft resellers today sell plumbing to plumbers. They sell IT infrastructure to IT decision makers. They don't sell solutions on top. They don't even use modern solutions themselves. They run their businesses on Autotask and ConnectWise. Do you know what those programs are? Mm -hmm. And so... Microsoft resellers need to digitally transform themselves in order to start digitally transforming their customers. And Nimble is the digital transformation tool because Nimble will unify Office 365, email, contact, and calendar, and over 200 SaaS business apps, which means we tie together their MailChimps, their QuickBooks, their ConnectWise, whatever they're using. And even if they are using Dynamics, we tie that together too. Then we enrich those contacts with people and company data and then work back where they work in their inbox inside of MailChimp, inside of QuickBooks, inside of ConnectWise, giving the whole team a unified view of the contacts, but then letting sales and marketing people get the unique tools that they need to prospect smarter. So if I'm sitting in a Forbes article and I'm reading an article about Matul Shah, I can nimble them, nimble will automatically build a record, give me their email and phone number, map out the data on, that, on him and his company, and then enable me to outreach in a one-to-one way because I can connect with you, but I can connect with you with a message that is relevant and authentic because I know who you are. I know what your business is about, and I can be very specific about the value add that I'm providing. So we are doing the same thing with Microsoft resellers today that we did with the Novell resellers of old is we're getting them to use Nimble and then they're then starting to recommend and resell it. And we've effectively become the simple serum for Office 365, but more importantly, the gateway to Power BI Flow, Power Apps, Dynamics, and Azure. And this is how we did that. We switched from AWS to Azure and integrated common data services, Power BI Flow, Power Apps into Nimble. So we are introducing those tools to the resellers because most resellers don't know how to use Power BI. But because it's embedded in Nimble with dashboards and reports and workflow and screens, that all they have to do is modify that so they can add immediate value to the customer. But then ultimately, that becomes a gateway to licenses to sell to that customer, including converting their on-prem whatever servers into Azure systems, which we then tied together via common data services. And ultimately, all that becomes a gateway to Dynamics because... Essentially, we will build a button in a Nimble that will convert the Nimble instance to Dynamics, and we'll make revenue on that as well as the partner. So the company that can become the tool that makes Office sticky and the gateway to Microsoft's first-party solution crown jewels will become the next goldmine, and that's what we've done. Very interesting. Would you call this, this is also a CDP, or, or is this CDP? This is what industry has been kind of coining this new term. Okay, you're throwing acronyms at me. You definitely are a Microsoft guy. So uh, uh, customer data platform, are you asking me if Nimble is a customer data platform? That's correct. For sure. Because, I mean, if you think about what Nimble does, is it could take any bit of information and automatically convert it into a rich record. And you know what I'm talking about because you probably do a lot of the same things. You take a social handle or an email or even a string of a name and you, once you basically map that out, you and then enrich it with all the different data. 
And then you could do uh, smart segmentation and sequences off of that. And that can either be standalone or it can work in conjunction with whatever market automation or CRM systems that you have. So the answer to your question is yes, Nimble can be a CDP. But I think that the masses that we're really going after, they don't know what CDP is. They don't know what ABM or ABS is. And they don't really care. They just know that they're struggling to convert conversations into revenue. And they want a simple tool to do that. And that's what, what we're doing. We basically have built the first CRM that works for you by building itself, by automatically building your CRM and keeping it up to date from the data you have in your business, which is siloed sales, marketing, customer service, accounting, and contact tools that you have. And then we work back wherever everybody in your company works so that every department has a unified view of the customer. But then we have the unique features for sales and marketing people. And rather than trying to scale the company with AdWords and inside salespeople, we're scaling it by turning Microsoft's 30,000 CSPs into Nimble Evangelists. Very cool. So I think with this also, there's, uh, there's this growing need and demand for this deep personalization, right? I mean, so they need unifying a record you know, mm-hmm. from all different desperate sources, but there's also growing need for this, this whole personalization in B2B. What are some of your, your best practices or, or how, you know, some of the customers or, you know, even SMB is doing that personalization, you know, at scale for the segment? Well, I'll tell you two stories about deep personalization and connecting. On a daily basis, I share content in order to build my brand and build the company brand by inspiring and educating other people about how they might become better, smarter, faster. So you do that on a daily basis. And when you do that properly, what happens is people begin to connect with you. So I share content on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, thought leadership materials on social sales and marketing. And then I listen and engage in order to connect those conversations into mutually beneficial relationships. So Tiffany Bova was the CRM analyst at Gartner for for 20 years, and then she became a spokesperson at Salesforce. And so the other day she was sharing how Salesforce isn't about command and control. It's about empowering customer-facing business team members. And some guy named Theo said, bullshit, it is about command and control, and when are sales managers going to loosen the grip? And isn't this what John Farrar has been teaching and building with Nimble? And because Nimble listens to all of my signals, so you OAuth Nimble into email, contact, and calendar, as well as social, it listens to what people say about my brand or myself, and it enriches those contacts with people and company data, and then compares it to the fingerprint of people that I typically would connect with. And it surfaced that conversation and said, John, you should engage here. So I went to go to the conversation, and Nimble followed me into the conversation because Nimble plugs into my Chrome, and it basically, I hovered on the guy's name in the conversation in Twitter. It automatically built a record, told me he was the head of data and serum at Disney. And it gave me his email and his phone number. So what I did was I was more effective at my response in Twitter because I knew who he was. And then I reached out via templated trackable email to connect with him, to thank him for the conversation. And I think he gave me permission to do that based off how he talked about me. And Nimble gave me the tools to do it because it gave me the contact info and it has a templated trackable emails. And that conversation then shifted from Twitter to email to LinkedIn, where he sent me a connection. And then I was having a conversation with him in the LinkedIn message stream. 
there and nimble sits in the in the browser as well bringing up the record so continually following me through this journey of this conversation and in the linkedin conversation i learned that he not only lived in my town but his daughter goes to my school and i believe that the more digital we get the more human we need to be and that you need to take digital conversations to face to face so i invited him for breakfast and we sat down and had breakfast where he asked him a couple of questions and i just shut up and listened and he talked for 30 minutes and he told me a lot about himself and his work. And, and, and I, after that conversation, I shared some ideas of how I might add value. And ultimately, not only did Disney become a customer, but he became a friend and evangelist where he actually shouts Nimble out on a regular basis and we're still friends. So I think that that's an example of the modern selling techniques that you should be practicing but the traditional CRMs aren't designed to do that. How do you do that at scale, though? I mean, you're trying to do this at scale. I mean, one-on-one, yes. possibly. But when yes. you're trying to do this at scale, how do you do that? Well, that's what market automation systems are for. But it doesn't do the large-scale personalization, right? I mean, I'll give an example of that. So here's large-scale. So Microsoft invited me to keynote a social selling session at Inspire. So before going to that session, I wanted to reach out and drive awareness for my session. So how do I identify influencers of an, at Inspire? So what I did is I went and found a Twitter list of the previous year's influencers. I imported that Twitter list of 3,600 people, nimble enriched those contacts with people and company data. I segmented 200 of them who were interested in social sales and marketing, and I sent them a one-to-one email all of them at the same time through Nimble, which basically will allow me to send a one-to-many email. And I got a 50% open rate and scheduled 25 meetings, one of which was the meeting that Microsoft signed that global resale agreement with us. That's an example of one-to-many, one-to-one personalized, relevant, authentic communications. Because if I sent the email to 3,600 and it wasn't one-to-one relevant, authentic, I wouldn't have gotten the results or the open rates that I might have by making it one-to-one. That's very interesting. Okay, so I think just adjacent to that, right, we often see the marketers kind of struggle when it comes to cohesive view or understanding of the customer's target ICP, who to target, who to kind of go after, breaking down relevant insights from multiple of these data sources, right? I mean, like who, you know, should they apply technographics? Should they apply this new intent, you know, insight? Should they apply thermographics? Should they apply all these different insights to achieve their ICP, do you see that, you know, still a problem, you know, which is a common problem or this is a more of an enterprise problem? Well, the terminologies that you're using and even the technology that you build is more enterprise. And that I think that the needs of the masses, the 99% of us are more basic. I think that most people don't even know the persona of the people that have bought the most and stayed the longest with their business. And that's a crime. And I think they should. And I think they have the data, but they just don't know how to mine it. I think that you have the data inside of your accounting system. You have the data inside the deals that you've closed in your CRM. You have the data of the people that have converted the most out of your marketing system, but they're all in siloed systems and you don't know how to access it. And actually, that's what we're launching next month with Nimble, where Nimble will not not only automatically unify those contacts as we do today into a cohesive whole, but we'll actually build data models on that to basically score net new people 
So imagine this. You've got people that you've sold to in your accounting system that have stayed with you the longest and bought the most. Imagine if you had an AI model that could take those contacts and then go find new ones that are already in your database that you don't see because you just can't tell. Or to suggest net new ones from billions of records that already exist out there in the data universe that you wouldn't have no idea of which ones to select. So I think that we all use intuitive relationship decision-making processes. When we make a decision of who to meet with or who to connect with on LinkedIn or who to outreach to sell something to. But I don't think that that intuition scales. So that's what we're using AI and machine learning and big data for is to do that for individuals and then also for companies. That makes a lot of sense. Well, John, I think we were having such an engaging conversation. Time had just kind of flew by. So thank you so much for taking time and you know speaking with us. I'm sure our audience will get a lot of value out of all these amazing insights that you provided. As a parting thought, any key takeaways or a few words of advice you'd like to share? You bet. I really believe that our purpose on this planet is to grow our souls by helping other people grow theirs. That they're not going to ride on my gravestone, invented CRM, made hundreds of millions of dollars. They're going to say beloved father, friend, husband. And in the end, that's really all it's all about. So if you are struggling today to make $100 million and you believe that that's going to make you happy, I can personally tell you that that is not the source of nirvana. The source of nirvana is to be truly present with the people who love you. And if you are truly present with the people who love you, they'll reflect your shit back at you. And if you're willing to look at your shit in life and work on it, you can grow as a human being. And that's your purpose on this planet is to grow a little bit in the moment you're here. And I think that the more people you help grow, the more you will grow. And that's why I built Nimble, because I really believe that my purpose on this planet is to power other people's passion, planet, purpose. So I build tools that help other people build relationships at scale to achieve their dreams. So if any of this resonates with you, I'd ask that you go sign up for Nimble and check it out for yourself, because I believe that your brand and your network are your net worth. Then you need to nurture that brand and network like a garden. And if you find in the free two-week trial that Nimble serves you well, use the code JOHN40, J-O-N-40, when you convert, and you'll save 40% off your first three months. Okay, right on. Well, thank you again, John. Thanks for uh, showing up on our podcast on Sunny Side Up. And you have an awesome day. You too, Mitchell.